Matthew chapter 12. Also, my Bible college class, New Testament history, I forgot to announce that. If you're in my class, we're going to have class this Wednesday. All right, this Wednesday. And uh, we'll try for 6 p.m. If we need to meet after, we can do it after. We'll see what works for everybody, but we'll have class this Wednesday. I'll try and get it done in about 40 minutes. And then next Saturday, although I'm gone, is still going to be the midterm. Daniel, my son, offered to go ahead and minister the midterm exam for me. It was so nice. And I said, man, I appreciate that. I'm sure everyone in the class appreciates that. So the midterm will still be Saturday. But with everything that's been going on with men of, men of, between men of faith, the, uh, the uh, marriage retreat this last weekend to me heading out of town, I've got to get a couple of classes in. So I will on Wednesday, and then this Saturday will be the midterm. And you'll want to be here this Wednesday because I'll give you a good guidelines of what to study for the midterm. All right? And, uh, but anyhow, Matthew chapter 12. Let's start in the first verse. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. And his disciples were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and did eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, have you not read what David did when he was a hungered, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which, uh, uh, which was uh, not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you, that in this place... There was one greater than the temple. But if he had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. And when he departed thence, he's not done yet. He's going to go on to this even more. He went into their synagogue. Now, so get this, he's in the synagogue now. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on him and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then he said to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we certainly do love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for your mercy, your grace, your help this morning. Lord, please help me to stay true to your word. I would ask that you control I mean, what I say, how I say it. Lord, help me to be effective as I preach your word. Lord, that it would draw us closer to you. That you would meet the needs that are here. And Lord, may we see that you are what life is all about. To focus on you. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted. 
I pray for that conviction and that drawing that perhaps even this morning they would repent and place their faith in Christ. Lord, please work. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. The event in this chapter, uh, of Matthew chapter 12, we also see it in Gospel of John chapter 5. And this is sort of the beginning of what will lead to Calvary, to the cross. And it's at this point that they make the determination, we are going to kill him. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have already disliked him. They've been looking for a reason. His popularity has grown. It's about 18 months into his ministry. And now they think, we've got him. We have found it. In the text, the Pharisees are attempting to trap Christ. They want a reason to arrest him. They want a reason to execute him. They're trying to find fault. They're trying to discredit him. And they are failing to see that the Son of God is standing right before them. In the text, we are able to see the character of the Pharisees. Now, let's keep in mind something here. When you just come into the Gospels, and that's the only knowledge of the Pharisees you have, I think you need to understand a little bit of where they came from. I'm not going to get into all that right now. But this was a group who, who actually started out trying to, trying to stay faithful to God and loyal to the Scriptures. Wanting to do right. Wanting to serve God. And in their mind, they're still in that place. But something got them off target. They're not nearly as close to God as they think they are. Little do they realize that, in, quote, in their zeal for God, they're actually against Him. We're able to see in our text we're going to be looking at today what was keeping them blinded from truth. The Pharisees becoming more concerned with the outward than the inward. Obsessed with their religion, their rules, their rites, their ceremonies. Then the God of their religion... Boy, the same can easily happen to us before our Lord. We can be more concerned about outward issues than heart issues. Or you can make religion your God. We begin to worship the rules instead of the Creator. Remember what, I'm not going there today, but don't forget what Christ said. He, he condemns them strongly in one of his very last sermons to the Pharisees shortly before he is arrested. And he lets them know, listen, how, how you did focus on the outward and not the heart. Or he said, listen, the, the things you're, a lot of things you're doing you should do, but you have left off the weightier matters. So they come to Christ with this accusation of breaking the Sabbath. The Sabbath by this time, I'm sure you're aware, became a major burden to the people. It was not a day of rest. It was a day of, we've got to do everything we can not to get in trouble. The true purpose of why it was given was no longer present. The rabbis within the nation of Israel, going back really to the time of the Babel, <laughs> wow, the Babylonian captivity, not bamboo or whoever that is, 
they had, they had begun writings adding on to the fourth commandment of the Sabbath day, expounding on it, adding to it. And by the time you come to the day of Christ, wow, have they expanded on it. I'll get more into that in just a few minutes. The Sabbath command, of course, did not exist prior to some teaching before the law. It is the first command that is given because it is first given. It is first given not in the garden. It is first given with manna. All right. It is the only one of the Ten Commandments that is not of a moral nature. I'm not going to get too much into it today, but we do understand that even the SDA movement claims we have to follow the Sabbath day. And Ellen G. White saw her vision of the fourth commandment lived, uh, lifted above the rest and, and all that goes with that. But the New Testament is clear. Verses like Colossians 2.16, we are no longer under the Sabbath. We also see when it comes to the fourth commandment of the Sabbath day, of all the, of the ten commandments given, not of the moral nature, and it was a special command given by God within the ten that was a sign specifically unto the nation of Israel. Exodus chapter 31, 13, Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12, that this shall be a sign unto, that this command, those verses teaching, this one command is a sign to Israel. Another reason why it is not for the churches today is because it was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Sabbath was a picture of the rest that we have in Christ. There are some who choose to follow it in Romans chapter 14. Or excuse me, there are some who choose to follow it, and according to Romans chapter 14, I should say, fine. Some say Sunday became the new Sabbath day. That's not it. Sunday is not the new Sabbath day. Saturday is the Sabbath day. That was never changed. Where Sunday, Sunday is the Lord's day. The day of resurrection. We come to church on Sunday because that's exactly how Jesus Christ started the church. Meeting on Sundays. He resurrected from the dead on a Sunday. That evening, he met with his disciples. You know what he did eight days later? Which would be a Sunday. He met with them again. Know what he did eight days later? He met with them again. And upon the first day of the week, when the churches met, the day got established at the very beginning as Sunday, the Lord's Day. Now, let's get back to the context of what's taking place here. The Jewish Talmud, and again, that's not the Bible. This is their writings expounding upon the Scriptures, especially to the Sabbath day. That book alone devotes 24 chapters to the Sabbath day. Think of that. 24 chapters to the Sabbath day on what Jews could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. They added thousands of picky regulations to God's simple command that was given. Let me give you some of the commands that are listed in there. Not in Scripture, but in the, in the Jewish writings from the rabbis expounding on the fourth command. Here's what you could not do. You could not take a bath on the Sabbath day. Why? You might accidentally splash water on the floor, and then you would be washing the floor. A gross, immoral sin. You could write one Hebrew letter, but not two. If your house caught on fire, 
Too bad. If you are freezing, you're not going to ignite a fire. Nope. You could only walk 3,000 feet from your house. It was interesting. No, it's not in there. They did get around that. They would use different planks and different methods of how to work around that. It was interesting. There were forbidden foods on the list. If you threw something in the air and caught it with the other hand, you just broke the Sabbath. So no juggling would be taking place. Ladies, listen to this. Sorry. On the Sabbath day, you could not pluck out a single gray hair. Leave it. But isn't that interesting that back then they were even like, oh, that's out of here. That's out of here. That's gone. If I did that, I would be bald. <laughs> Wool could not be dyed. A scribe could not carry a pen. A pupil could not carry a book. The temptation there to do your work. There were rules about hot water, cold water, jewelry. What, well, how much jewelry could be worn and before you, you know, it became carrying something. The jewelry, the weight was, it could not weigh on the Sabbath day, it could not weigh more than a dried fig. So most of your husband's engagement ring that you gave your wife, they could wear. That was funnier than that. Come on now. The point is, what the Lord Jesus Christ certainly knew is the Sabbath day was no longer a day of rest. It was a day of great burden. So here they accuse Christ in our text of breaking the Sabbath day. And the law that they were using here that we find is the law of reaping, which was not allowed on the Sabbath day. All right? So they're accusing him of that, but he, they in no way broke the law of reaping. You want to know why? There is an exception in Deuteronomy chapter 23 for those traveling of tearing off the top that was allowed in a stranger's field that was not considered reaping. That would mean if they had a sickle and they're out there and they're doing that, now you have a problem with Scripture. But when they're hungry and traveling to break off the top coming through a field... Was allowed that even if it was your field and you were, and you own that field and you had travelers coming through, they were allowed to get for that moment not harvest your field or reap, but they were allowed to break off the top if they were hungry to eat. So next time I'm at your house, I can open your fridge. I can take out one item, just have some ho hos sitting in that fridge. You could not use a sickle, as I said. So anyhow, that, this is where they're trying to trap Christ. So they come at him, accusing him of breaking the law. But as Christ points out, we are guiltless. Christ did not break the law. And really, in this text, we learn several things to help us in our walk with God. We can so easily become like the Pharisees. Self-righteous, critical. Serving God for the wrong reasons. Using God and religion for our own power, our own pride. In Christ's response to the Pharisees and, and how they responded, we see dangers to our own walk with God that we have to be careful of. 
we see three ways in which a Christian can get off track with his walk and not even know it. And think, I am, I'm, me and God, we're good. When you're far from Him. So let's take a look at this. Number one, what we see is this, is a, the wrong approach. What I mean by that is this, inconsistency within the faith and hypocrisy. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. In Christ's response to the accusation of breaking the law, Christ said this, Have you not read what David did when he was a hungered and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Now I'm going to explain those right there. What he's showing them, pointing right out to and they, they will understand exactly what he's saying perfectly. He's, he's letting them know right to their face, you are being a hypocrite. You have inconsistencies in your own faith, and that comes down to because of the misinterpretation about the Sabbath day and how they began to use it, again, almost worshiping the Sabbath day. So he challenges their view on the Sabbath day. He gives two examples where it's going to convict them to show how inconsistent they are and how they misunderstand what the Sabbath day is all about. First, let's deal with the showbread. Only the priests were allowed to eat this in Scripture. And that would be eaten one day a week. That would be on the Sabbath day, actually, when they would change it out. The day they changed it out, the priests would eat it at that day. But David and his men had this bread given to them by the priests when they were, uh, when they were uh, uh, hungered. They were hungry. They needed food. And the priests gave it to them. Jesus' point is the priest never accused of, is never accused of violating the ceremonial law by giving bread to these hungry men in need of food. This demonstrated the necessity of the disciples took precedent over the Pharisees' rule. In Mark's account of this event, an important statement is made by the Lord Jesus Christ. He told them this. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Boy, did that have to be convicting to them. So if it was made for man, that, if they would have viewed it and how it was given, a lot of these rules and regulations they created would never have went the direction they did. They forgot it was created for man. They're not even dealing with a moral command. This is what the Pharisees forgot. They were living for the Sabbath. Yet the Sabbath was given to provide rest, to help man. To help them even understand and get the picture that, of the rest they could have one day in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that meaning is completely gone. Because now the Sabbath is elevated as if, again, as, as just like Christ pointed out, as if man was created for the Sabbath day. There are times that we can be just like the Pharisees. And put our drive to be right. A wrong view of the commands of God. 
We can put things above people, which is what he was pointing out with David and with his disciples. He said, basically saying, why don't you tell me why the priests were never accused of wrong when David and his men got the showbread? Why was that not wrong? The point is because man was created, or, or excuse me, the Sabbath was created to help man. Many times we forget that the reason we do right, the reason we have the commands that we do from God, is for our benefit that we can be in a place to glorify God and that we can help others. It's not about the commands. It's about God. Let me give you an example of this. We have the command given in the book of Hebrews that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or son is. You hear me preach it all the time. You need to be faithful to the house of God. If unless you are providentially hindered, you should be in church. But let me give you an example where people come first. It's a, and I've given this example in the past. I am scheduled to preach, in, I'm in New Guinea, scheduled to preach and a Wednesday evening service in Cavian, five hours from me. So I have, I'm not a fairly busy day, so I have it planned right, though, so that I can get there and make the service and preach in Cavian at Emmanuel Baptist for their midweek service. So we get on the road, and there's, as you know, those, a few of you have been there to know, there's very, very few vehicles. Just very few vehicles. So on the way to Cavian that Wednesday afternoon, I come across somebody who's broken down in the middle of nowhere and needs help. Now, what do I do? Do I say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you, but I've got to go to church and preach on loving others? Or should I stop and help? So did, there was something that came in place that was more important before God, even in command for that matter, that overrode my command to be in church service that night. That was to help that person. Now, the Lord worked it out where I still made it right before the preaching began. I was able to pull in there before it happened that night. That somehow the Lord gave wisdom and that vehicle got running. Or let's say you're coming to church and you come across a horrible accident that takes place right in front of you. Know what you should do? Help. You should help. Now that doesn't mean if you see a moose, you shoot it. Sorry, hunters. It doesn't mean that. Christ also used the fact of the work of the priest they were allowed to do. This was a very important point. He said, well, why don't you explain to him when you read how the priests are allowed, notice the strong wording he uses as well, are allowed to profane the Sabbath day. Well, what's he referring to? He's referring to that on the Sabbath day, there was certain work that had to be done that the priest did. And it wasn't wrong. So again, there was something there that overrode that command that had to take place. So he's saying, why don't you explain that to me? Explain to me the situation with David, why the priest was never accused of wrong, and explain to me how every Sabbath day, the priests have a measure of work to do. The point he's trying to get across to the Pharisees is, you are missing what it's all about. 
as a result of a misunderstanding of the Sabbath day, they became hypocrites in their teaching of it, as well as inconsistent. I mean, the fact right there, when, they, when, when, when he had made the statement to the Pharisees, and I'm sure it did that, about explain to me how the, the, the priest can work on the Sabbath. That should have let them know immediately, you know what, we're looking at this command wrong. We have something wrong, which they did. Number two, what we see here. Boy, this one's big. This is the one the devil wants. If he can get a misunderstanding of Scripture, he can get you to the second one. All right. So the Pharisees started off with, again, you've got to go back to the Babylonian captivity, when writings were being expounded upon concerning the fourth command. That just grew to the point there's 24 chapters on it. All right? But they started, the devil got them started from a wrong premise. What was the wrong premise? The wrong premise was this, is that the Sabbath, uh, a man was not created for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for the man. Had they had the right premise, the direction it went went of heaven. But they had a misunderstanding of Scripture. They had a wrong base. And so now it leads to what happened next, and that's a wrong focus. They ended up focusing on outward religion but not religion from the heart. It's not that we leave the outward undone. We certainly don't. I mean, that's, that's, that, that, that's another way the devil uses this. Yeah, we see all the problems where people don't focus on the heart, and that's all I'm going to focus on. I got news. If you're actually focused on the heart, it will affect the outside. Every single time. The problem is, you can do a lot on the outside without your heart ever being affected. This is a danger to avoid. You get the wrong focus, you focus on the outward, you focus on the religion, and you leave off the heart, and you leave off God. The Pharisees' religion at this time, this pseudo-Judaism, had focused on the outside, but left off the heart issues. They left off mercy, faith, judgment, which the Lord tells them in that sermon I referred to. They cleansed the outside, but inside they were full of dead men's bones. In other words, there's a whole other sermon I preach on this called The Hard Things. They were great, really, at the easy things of the Christian life. Do you know how easy it is to clean up the outside? Buy a suit, carry the right Bible, attend church. I got, that's the easy things in the Christian life. Any of us can do them. That's truth. That's why you see lost people, even without the Spirit of God, can look and, and, and have the same outward appearance. It's the easy things in the Christian life. Like Christ told them, you have left off the weightier matters. Matters of the heart. Matters that involve a word he's going to bring up here like mercy. They wanted nothing to do with mercy. They left off mercy. Their the, the religion, in other words, was, was before men. It was not before God. They became so obsessed with the law, they failed in mercy that they needed. If you're guilty, you're guilty. No grace, no mercy. And parents, there are times you need to show grace and mercy to your kids. There are times I, I, that I would look for that. There, there are times that they were going to get the spanking. There were times I hoped I got to show some grace and mercy to them. 
Like Rachel. Ugh. That rebellious, rebellious girl. When she, she had orange peels there and she threw them on the floor. And I said, pick them up. I'm sitting on the couch. She's two. And she said, no. I'm like, what? It's not an option in the house. I said, pick them up. She said, no. So I get down on my knees, right in her little tiny face, and I say, pick up the orange pills now. And keep in mind, I don't want to spank her, but I realize I'm there. And then that little girl grabs my face. I figured this is a good time to show mercy. And then Daniel, I had that chance. He was disobedient. I had him go upstairs to his room. I can't remember why now. And so I make him wait usually. That's usually the real punishment is waiting for when I show up. I go upstairs, and he's just three or four years old. He's in New Mexico. He's, he is upstairs. He's even there, and he's under his blanket waiting. And I show up for the spanking. And I've been talking to him about the gospel, trying to explain what Christ did to him. And so he puts the blanket down. He looks right at me. He says, he says you said Jesus would take the spankings for me. It was time to show mercy in that situation and explain that, how this is going to work. But listen to me. The Pharisees got to a point where they forgot about, and the Lord stresses it over and over throughout the Gospels, mercy and grace. It wasn't that they were wrong at times in their position. Just like at times, you might be right. But at times, you have to demonstrate grace and mercy. They wanted judgment to fall. Let me give you an example of this. Remember when Christ and the disciples were going through Samaria? And the one place did not receive him? Remember the disciples said, Oh, how dare they not receive the Lord. Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven? And know who got rebuked? The disciples did. The Lord Jesus turned to them and said, it says, and he rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you're of. They thought they were doing something for God to defend him. But he knew, no, 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 your attitude towards this, that's a major problem right now. Christ quotes, look at this, let's turn there, I want you to see this. Look at Hosea, Christ is quoting in our text, Hosea chapter 6. Go to Hosea chapter 6. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Need help finding it. Just getting into those minor prophets. Look at the verse that Christ reminded them of. Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. 
For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. That's a great verse. This is under the time of Jeroboam II. To be honest, religion was flourishing in Israel. Economically, they were doing great. Militarily, they were doing great. Although judgment was coming, Hosea was the prophet to let them know. And here was the problem. This is what's going on. You're so obsessed with the outward, with your sacrifices, with your burnt offerings, yet you're leaving off what it's all about. Those things are fine. Have the sacrifices, have the offerings, but don't make your religion about them. It's about God. And Hosea's day, certainly in the northern kingdom, the religion was not about God at all. It was about the outside. It wasn't about knowing God more as we see in Hosea 6.6. It was about culture. It was about social status. It was about the act, the religious actions itself. Because the truth is, listen, I, I alluded to this in the introduction. Your outward actions, outward service does not necessarily require a walk with God. You can do it without a walk with God. You can look the part, but your heart is so far from Him. The idea, as Christ told them later on, you know, you have the outward, but you do it for the right reason to know God. You know what that does? That keeps you in balance. It does. That'll keep you in balance. When you make decisions, when you show grace and mercy, when you recognize, man, you know, it's like you have a decision making, all of a sudden the Lord reminds you of all the mercy He's showing you, all the grace He's showing you. Outward service alone, without a heart right with God, it almost gives the idea for some that they can pay off God. God, here's my offering. God doesn't need your tithe or your standards. What he wants is your heart, your life. He wants you. Our life is to be the offering, Romans 12, 1 and 2. In our verse, of course, we see the importance of mercy over sacrifice. Mercy towards others shows an appreciation for what God has done for you in your life. Mercy shows a heart that desires to be like God. It reflects God's character. Let's take, for example, and there's other factors with Jonah that I don't have time to get into that did affect him in his walk, and one of those being bitterness. But Jonah was a heart that needed to reflect mercy. Mercy many times can be an indicator for the Christian that God is in control and not the flesh. Because just like with the disciples, you want to call the fire down. Now look at this. This is also important. Here's also what they missed. How about I go back to Matthew chapter 12. I want you to look at verse 6 and 8. Look at verse 6 and 8. 
listen, don't miss, miss this. I mean, it's, it's for all. I don't know if you're 85 or whatever, but teens, don't miss this. That transition has to take place where God is your God. Where you make the decision, life is all about Him. So look at verse 6 and 8. This is something else that took place with them. He says in verse 6, Jesus said this to them, But I say unto you, that in this place is one greater than the temple. Think of what he's saying. Look at verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. Because of where their heart was, because they got obsessed with the outward, with the actions, and not the God of the religion, that changed their focus. It changed their, they, they became hypocritical and inconsistent with their theology when they had a wrong foundation. But now we see this. They even miss Christ. They don't see Christ as preeminent. They don't see Him as Lord. I mean, He is making statements here that is declaring who He is. They don't see Him as Lord. They saw, to put it in our perspective today, they saw church as Lord. Do you know how dreary that can be if, if that becomes what your religion is all about? You know what will happen? You'll get offended in church one day, five years will come down when your life is simply about that and it's not about God. And i got news here. Just, just give it enough time here. You'll get offended by something. I'm good at that. And not on purpose, by the way. I don't seek to do that. But it'll happen. And if your focus is just about church, I don't want it. You make it about God. About Him. Make it about the Lord. See Christ as preeminent. See, He's the one that it's all about. Because life is, it's all about God. It's, the Pharisees have the Son of God, the Creator of the universe, right before them speaking. And they don't even know it. And yet they think they're so close to God. And he's telling them, standing before you is one greater than the temple. Standing before you is the Lord of the Sabbath. That can only be one person, the Creator. The one who gave the command. He's telling him, I am God. And too often, when all of a sudden, you've just learned to focus on the outward without the heart, you fail to recognize Christ as preeminent. Christ then goes on that day. They leave that discussion. He heads right into the synagogue. Let's go to church. Why he's there, they had a man there with this withered hand. And so they brought him to him. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? We've been hearing your teaching on this. Again, their whole point is what it says there, that they might accuse him. They don't care about that man one bit. Right now, he's their manipulative tool that hopefully they can find something against him. And, and Christ, it had to be... Just think how convicting this was, Christ's response. 
What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on him and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Why, why did they allow for that provision the, the, in the Talmud? For, why did they allow for that provision if that took place? Want to know why? Money was involved. Money was involved. Well, we might have an exception here. How sad. According to the Talmud, you can only help a hurt man if it was to save his life. If his life was not in immediate danger, you had to wait till the next day. Could you just, I'm, 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 just think about this. For, I mean, I might be thinking of this from too much from a human standpoint, but you could just see the Lord in heaven when they're writing that down in the Talmud. Okay, when it comes to helping others, his life must be in immediate danger or don't help. But Christ shows again how they're missing mercy. And Christ heals that man instantly. Both actions he did, by the way, the eating of the grain and healing of the man, demonstrated mercy. Which is why he refers to that within the text. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. If you would have realized that man was not created for the Sabbath day, but the Sabbath day for man, you would understand that there are times you put people above it. There are times that you have to learn when to show mercy. When it's called for. It's one of those things that actually helps us stay close to God. And it helps us keep others in proper perspective. Listen, the devil loves to come in and distort the things of God that he has given us for our good. To many times use the things that God has given us as something to actually become a hindrance and, 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 and cripple us in our walk. Listen, it's all about God. You stay focused on Him. It's not about the obedience. The obedience is there to help us because we want to glorify God. That should be the motivation behind it. Because the truth is Christ should be preeminent in our life and it should be all about Him. All about God. With heads bowed and eyes closed.